I really feel like I have a new friend in today's guest. Uh, Her name is Becky Morrison, and she's the founder of the Butterfly Society. And what she's doing is literally pioneering a new arm of this online coaching space that we've all become so familiar with over the past couple of years because she is a happiness coach. She's certified through UC Berkeley as a certified executive coach, and she has this passion for helping people live happy, priority-aligned lives. You know, before starting coaching, she spent several decades in financial service and large law firms. So obviously she was looking for something new, a new challenge, but something where she could kind of settle down and relax and just be happy. She transitioned from those large firms to a small investment firm and over time recognized that her true passion was people. And that's how she started her own coaching and consulting practice that focuses on happiness. Happiness, guys. And couldn't we all use a little bit more of that in our lives? You're listening to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Chipchinski. It is my purpose in life to use the lessons I've learned from more than a decade of leadership experience in everything from business to politics to nonprofit and the military to help you become the leader you've always dreamed of having. Whether you lead a network marketing team, a Bible study, a global brand, or a family of four, Every week, I'm going to walk you through tangible ways to grow your influence and make your vision a reality. So if you're ready to drop the burnout and bullshit strategy you've been fed and design your own aligned leadership style, you're in the right place. Let's go. Becky, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It is such a joy to have you. Thanks, Sarah. I'm really happy to be here. Great. So... I know we just went through your intro, but tell me a little bit more about you and about how you became a happiness coach and an expert in this field of joy. So um, my path, as you can imagine, going from lawyer to happiness coach is a little bit of a winding one, but it starts back when I was first a practicing attorney and realized that I had achieved all of the things that I thought I should achieve. I had checked all of the boxes. I had the degree, the grades you know, high paying prestigious job. I was on a partnership track. I had the marriage. I had had my first child. And I sort of looked around and said, this is all great, but I'm also exhausted and not all that happy. And so what gives? What do I need to change? And that kicked off kind of a lifetime of um, investigating how to navigate the various seasons of our lives and bring as much joy as possible into each season. Um, culminating with about three years ago, starting my own coaching business uh, to really help other people, other uh, what I'll call successful but unsatisfied folks figure out how to execute on their happiness recipe. And I kind of captured all of my learnings in my book, The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to What Matters. And so I don't know, I mean, I hesitate a little bit when you call me an expert, but the reality is I've done a lot of learning, I've done a lot of thinking, and I've created a framework that I think people can use to unpack what it is that they need to do to 
live a ha- both a happier right now and architect a happier future. Absolutely. And, and that's such a relatable story. Maybe it's not that you were also a lawyer. Maybe it's not that like me, you were in the military, but I think a lot of women have these moments where we go, yep, box checked. I've done everything I was supposed to do. And you're telling me this is it. Why do I feel so empty inside? So when I call you an expert, I'm calling you an expert because you were able to identify that and then take the steps to fix it. And you created this formula, right, for maximum joy. So tell me a little bit about that. So I'm going to tell you the formula for maximum joy, and and you're going to think, well, that seems really simple. And it is a pretty simple formula. It goes like this. The recipe for maximum happiness is to do more of what matters to you and less of the rest. Boom. That's it. (laughs) But like, also, how do we do that? How do we do that in a world where first we're sometimes disconnected from actually even knowing who we are and what matters to us? We've got this gap in our ability to be authentic about that. Mm -hmm. How do we do it in a world where we maybe don't have the supportive mindset to allow us to really set boundaries, say no, um, go after what matters to us without carrying the guilt? And how do we do it in a world that is full of things that are asking for our time and attention that might not qualify for that descriptor of really mattering to us? And how do we navigate all of that, close all of those gaps and really execute on that formula? And that's the work that I do. That's the work that I address in my book and the work that I do with people in my coaching business. Okay. So what is, I guess there's a very long answer, right? Because you wouldn't have a job as a coach if there was a simple, quick, easy, one-off answer. But what is the short answer? I mean, the short answer starts with, I think, for most people, first, recognizing that if you're in a place where you're not as happy as you want to be, that what you don't want to do is try to escape your unhappiness. Because when we're running away from something, we often compromise on what we run to. And so the first thing to do is really settle into where you are today. Really take stock of what's working and what's not. Not just being focused on the part that's not working, not just being focused on the unhappiness, not just being focused on the lack, but taking stock of the whole menu of what's in your life, what's taking your time, energy, and attention and resources, and figuring out which pieces of those you want to hold on to and which pieces of those you need to change in some way. And so there is an element of like, I call it landing, but like settling into where you are today before you decide to move to the next thing, before you decide to make radical changes, before you decide to seek the new job, change your relationship, change where you're living, whatever it is, there's something important about the shift from escaping to to architecting your happiness that's really, really critical in, um, in executing on that formula. So like taking stock of what you are prioritizing in the moment yes, versus what your priorities actually are at your Well, core. I mean, <clears throat> that, so you've, you, yeah, so you've jumped ahead, right? But in a good way, like that is the next step. So what, how am I living today? <clears throat> and does that align with how I want to be living or does it not? And how do I resolve that gap? And what's interesting a lot of times when I work with people and I just listened to a couple episodes of your show and there was one where the guest was talking, I think it was quantum, qu- 
quantum leadership, I think was mm-hmm. what she was talking about. But but the discussion was a lot about disconnection from self. And I see that in the work that I do too, that people really can't tune into what my priorities are. They Even when I ask them, you know, what are you prioritizing? I'll give you an example. A lot of people say, well, family first. But in fact, work is coming first in the way that they're living. Mm-hmm. And, and once you identify that tension, <clears throat> resolving that tension is not easy because it requires either changing the way you behave or changing your priority. And to do either of those things really requires tuning back into what actually matters to you as opposed to the fear-based decisions that you're making around what might matter to other people. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to know, I always tell my clients that based on different seasons of life, based on where you're at, it is more than okay and it is necessary for you to change your priorities. Your priorities are not always going to be the same, right? Because as you grow and develop as a adult human in the world and you get older and you gain knowledge and you gain more self-awareness, what you want and what you're doing is going to change. It needs to change. Well, and I think so really the fir- the very first, and this is where my book starts, right? <clears throat> the very first thing to do is to define the season that you're in. Mm. Really get clear on the container that you're operating within and get an idea of when that season might change. And also allowing for the reality that there are seasons of varying lengths in our um, in our lives. I was just talking to a, a young mom who may need to quarantine for travel, just herself and a toddler. That two weeks of quarantine is a season in and of itself. So what is your priority for that two weeks? How are you going to align your expectations, your behavior, um, your investment with your priority for those two weeks versus trying to bring all of your current priorities into a two-week quarantine with a toddler? Right. And so allowing for those shifts in seasons to happen and for some of those seasons to be short and for priorities to evolve, as you point out, when things change. Right. Because, and I I love that you say they can be that short, right? Because Mm -hmm. oftentimes when we think of seasons of life, we think, oh, in this season where I have children, (laughs) but as a mom to a toddler, months one through three are infinitely different than months 24 through 36. Yes, that's right. That's right. And And I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, mm -hmm. but there might even be moments like I can, I mean, my, my kids are now um, 13 and almost 18, but like there might be moments we're about to enter the college application process. There might be parts of the coming year where I need to put some other things on hold to be present for that process with my daughter. That's okay. But it's about being aware of that and making a conscious, intentional choice to do that instead of creating tension by not acknowledging the shift in priorities. So when we have situations like that, where we have these competing priorities and we're obviously needing to prioritize what we're doing with our priorities within those, how do we set those boundaries? So again, I mean, I'm going to start at the beginning and the beginning comes down to knowing what boundaries we need to set. Where are our limitations? Where are the edges of what we expect of ourselves? Getting clear on that for ourselves before we try to impose that on 
on the world around us is really, really important. And then I think that the how of setting boundaries, I'll say first that we often complicate it. We often overthink it. We often get way ahead of ourselves in the implementation. And so a question that I like to ask at the very beginning is, what is the easiest way I can set this boundary? What is the easiest way I can accomplish this? And I can think of one real easy way to set a boundary. Two letters. No. Full (laughs) stop, right? That can be a complete answer. Yes. We can let go of the need to explain the why behind the boundary. We can let go of the need to justify the boundary to other people. Um, We can simply say, this is my boundary. And that could be the word no. That could be the word um, that could be simply not doing the thing, or that could be some slightly longer, you know, that doesn't align with me right now, or that's not, I don't have time for that right now. Those are also full answers. Yeah, and it's, I think so often we come up with these excuses or we feel like we need to validate it as women, as moms, as entrepreneurs, because we care so deeply about the people and the things that we're asked to participate in that saying no feels like an inconvenience, but it's not. Saying yes is an inconvenience because not only are you not wanting to do it, if you go ahead and do it anyway, you're not giving it your full attention. You're not giving it your full energy and whoever you're doing it for or with is going to know. Yes, that's right. You're going to know. Yeah. And when you say yes to something that you don't, that is not aligned with your priorities, you are actually detracting from the amount of resources, time, energy, capacity, whatever you want to call it, that you have to give to your priorities. So it is that you you are making, you are not just saying yes to something else. You are saying no to yourself. Let's just be real clear. And Mm -hmm. so there's always a no being said. It's just a matter of who are you saying it to and is it the right no for you? And as you point out, when we commit our energy to something that really isn't aligned with us, we're not bringing our best self. We're not bringing our best energy. We're not bringing our full commitment. Another thing that can be really powerful is really digging into why we feel we want to say yes, why we feel compelled to say yes to this thing that we don't want to do. And I just went through this exercise with a client recently, and they actually landed on ultimately doing the thing, but they were doing it because they knew it was important to this other person and they felt honored to have been included. And showing up with that energy to the event, to the thing was powerful. They were happy to be there. It was a gift to them to show up because they were honored that they were included. And it was a gift to this other person. And so it transformed from something they didn't want to do into something that they were clear on why they were choosing to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So this like knee jerk, yes, that we feel we have to say, we need to take a closer look at what is the real purpose here? Yeah. Because our resources, whether it's our financial resources, our energetic resources, our time resources, it's all finite, right? So when you talk about saying no to something, like I I liken it to looking at my budget, right? I've got $500 to spend. Am I going to go out for a fancy dinner or am I going to invest it and find the return on that investment? One's going to fulfill me immediately, One's going to fulfill me long-term, right? And that's not to say we don't sometimes go for the dinner because sometimes you need a $200 dry-aged steak, I guess. <laughs> but 
more often than not, what bucket are you depositing that $500 in? What bucket are you depositing that time, that energy, those resources in? That's the bucket that's going to fill faster. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it also goes back to what you said a little minute ago about sort of really owning, like, it is okay to say this is not the right thing for me right now. Like, Mm -hmm. when did it become, when did that become a bad thing? Something to feel guilty about, something to feel selfish about. Like, when did it become that it's not okay to honor what is right for us? Are you seeing with your clients and with your happiness work that this is more of an issue now as we're coming out of the pandemic than it was 18 months ago? I think I'm seeing two things, right? I'm seeing clients who've come to me who are really, truly, I mean, they describe it as burnout. I don't know if it, you know, if, if it technically meets a, uh, you know, an accepted definition of burnout, but I see people who have been pulled in so many directions and life has changed so much and they have not adapted to recognizing that their season is different. So their expectations should be different and their boundaries need to change or be reestablished. So I'm seeing a lot of that combined with now we have all these new activities coming back at us, this Mm -hmm. new opportunity to be participating in the world outside of our houses again is a wonderful thing. But it also means, again, a shift of seasons and a shift of a reexamination of priorities and a reexamination of boundaries. Where do I want the edges and lines to be? Let me think about that instead of just assuming they're going to stay where they have been. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm seeing a lot is you know, we went from in office or in person all the time. And for the most part, most people would drop off the kids at school, go to work, leave work, and work was there. And for the last year and a half almost, we've lived in this world where work is at home, the kids are at home, everything is at home. And those boundaries got really blurred. Like I know there were times when it would be six, seven, eight o'clock at night, and I'd be putting my kiddo to bed, but I would also be texting my boss or taking a phone call while I was nursing a baby. And one, that's not okay. But two, if we get ourselves into that space, if we don't set boundaries or we allow those boundaries to crumble, how do we put them back up without feeling that guilt or without uh, having that blowback? From, well, you did it this way before. Well, I was always able to get a hold of you before. Is it even possible? I think it's possible, right? But it requires a pretty high level of intentionality. And I think the first step, right, is getting clear on what you want the boundaries. Like if if all things were equal and guilt weren't an issue and you didn't have to worry about blowback, what would your boundary be? Hmm. And then let's talk about the guilt and the blowback and and really unpack it and determine if it is a a story or if it is a fact. Right? Talk about that for a sec. <clears throat> I mean, the reality is that so much especially guilt, so much of the guilt that we carry isn't really ours. Let me explain. Guilt is a an actually a useful emotion, right? Guilt tells us when we've compromised our ethics or our morals. If I go into a store and I steal a pack of gum, I feel guilty because that is not acceptable to me to take without paying for gum from a store. That is appropriate guilt. If I can't show up for 
um, my kid's soccer game, I feel guilty. Is that appropriate guilt? That is a question. Does that matter to me? Does that matter to my family? Does that matter a lot to my kid? Or do I just have a belief that I'm going to measure the quality of my motherhood based on what I show up to? Mm. And the answer is different for different people. And it doesn't matter what the answer is. What matters is have you really done the work to figure out whether you are giving a knee-jerk answer or giving your answer? Is that guilt mine or is it my society telling me, my community telling me, my my history, my parents, my family of origin telling me that this is the way motherhood should look? And that's a great question. I, once upon a time, I had a mentor tell me, you know, I was sitting there going, I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad this. I'm a bad that. She said, have you asked your husband what makes a good wife? Well, no. And when I did, his answer was so infinitely different than the expectations that I had placed on myself to be a quote unquote good wife. He was like, just hang out with me at night. And I <laughs> like, was like, so doable. I was like, you mean I don't have to keep a perfect house and work and make money and raise the kids and have a five course meal every single night and be 92 pounds. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it just do your best and hang out? Hang out. I can do. <laughs> Well, and think about it too as parents, right? Like there are certain ages or or certain times in our kids' lives where we can't ask them that question. Mm -hmm. But we can, from a pretty early phase, ask our kids what they need from us. Yeah. My son's answer right now is play trains. (laughs) Okay. If I play trains, I am a good mom. I also have to feed him and keep him alive because he can't quite do himself. But if I play trains and have tickle fights, he thinks I'm the world's greatest thing. And the key is, right, that when you play trains and you have tickle fights, you are fully playing trains and you are fully having tickle fights mm. and you are not halfsy halfsy, right? And that's where, I mean, I think our kids can tell when our focus is split. And so it's like, how do you bake enough time in your life to fully show up for the things and the people that matter for you? whether that's work or whether that's your family. And there's ways to do it, but I think it does start with getting really clear on what the people around you need from you. And for me, you know, with my family, <clears throat> we we went through a shift. I went through a phase where, yes, I had a career outside the home, but family came first. So if there was a kid event, if there was somebody homesick, I was the one who was handling it. Mm-hmm. When I started my own business, it shifted and we talked about it. We had a conversation about it. And they understand what I'm trying to build. They understand what I'm trying to do. They still need me and they still want me to show up fully, but we do it differently. And it's at different times and in different ways. And I don't have a lot of guilt about missing X, Y, or Z because I can ask them, is this important to you? If it's important to you, I'll be there. Absolutely. So your season shift, your priority shift, your boundary shift, how within these different seasons are we other than prioritizing things, how are we identifying these sources of joy and what actually lights us up during the day? So this has been a big one for for me personally, but also um, in the work that I do is really helping people get clear at a truly essential level on what brings them joy. 
Mm-hmm. And so often I'll ask people, what makes you happy? And I'll get one of two answers. I'll get some really surface stuff. And I don't mean surface in a bad way, but like time with my family, going on vacation, you know, new purse, whatever, whatever. Or Mm -hmm. I'll get, huh, I don't really know. And so the first step is really connecting with what it is that brings us joy. And so pick any one of those things on that list. Let's say vacation was one of the sources of happiness. Okay. I'll ask, what is it about vacation? And they'll answer. And so it'll be something like, well, you know, I like to be in beautiful places. Well, what is it about beautiful places? Mm-hmm. Well, I really like to be able to just see and appreciate nature. Well, what is it about seeing and appreciate nature? appreciating nature? Well, you know, there's such power in looking at <clears throat> creation and looking at the world and being with nature and like just really having quiet time to reflect. Oh, so quiet time to reflect in nature is a source of joy for you. Do you have to wait till you go on vacation to have that? Hmm. Good question. And answer. Short answer, no. no right? right? <laughs> and so if you can imagine that you could build out as a person by going through sort of this exercise with each answer that comes up, you could build out a menu of your essential sources of joy that you can integrate and inject into your life at any time. Hmm. So if on my menu is deep connection with people, quiet time and, you know, to reflect, connecting with nature, and I'm having a tough patch, I pull out that menu and I can pick one of those things that I can do. Mm-hmm. And just adding more of that back into my life, even in a difficult situation, a difficult time when I know I need to change my job, when I know I need, you know, like when I know I'm not where I want to be, but I, that, that doesn't mean I can't have joyful moments. I just have to know where to go to get them. And when we're in the muck, it's hard to imagine where to go to get the joy unless we've got this menu. Absolutely. And what I love about that is that's an exercise that like we can do that today. You can do that without spending tens of thousands of dollars on a coach to, to walk you through this exercise, like sit down. I don't know if you're a fan of journaling, but journal it out. Why? the what the we ask why seven times right yep. we eventually get to the root cause why 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 like we're a doggone toddler yes why they want to know the reason we need to know the reason yep and you might let me be clear too like cuz i it is usually 5 to 7 whys to get there and but sometimes we pick up multiple in that you know mm-hmm. what i mean in that inquiry so don't ignore the first couple answers you might need to go deeper on those too But it is really about digging, digging, digging down to the sort of like essence of it, because that's what you can deploy kind of whenever. Yeah. So what other tips, tricks, little quirky things do you have for the audience who's like, I still don't know what necessarily makes me happy or I don't I don't know what action steps to take. They can do this exercise. I think this exercise is a big one. I think we already talked about, I have two more that I want to talk about, but we already talked about um, one of the two is we already talked about sort of taking stock of what's actually in your life right now. Mm -hmm. Making sure that you have a clear picture of what's working and what isn't is important because I think we can get really focused on what isn't working. Um, 
and forget the things that are the things that we want to hold on to, even as we transition to the next happier thing. So taking stock is another big one that I think you can do without a coach, although with a coach too. I mean, however you want to do it. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep you accountable. Yep. But um, the last one I'll offer is one that's just been coming up recently and it's, it's related, but it's almost a different angle. I think often we get into this world of like, back to this, this mom that I talked about who might have to quarantine with her toddler. She, you know, sort of was in the mindset of like, oh, this is going to be hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And some, sometimes we just need to reframe a little and I'll explain what I mean. So growing up, I was a, literally a professional what ifer. Like, what if it goes horribly? What if nobody likes me anymore? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if? And my mom used to say to me, <clears throat> Becky, stop borrowing trouble. Because when we what if the negative outcome, think about it, we're putting a bunch of money, I mean, I mean, a bunch of money, a bunch of energy towards an outcome that we don't even want. We are literally borrowing trouble. We're, we're taking trouble from the future and bringing it into the present. So I've evolved that wonderful practice from my mother of like not borrowing trouble to fine, if you're going to play the what if game and you want to borrow trouble, you also have to borrow joy. Mm. You also have to bring the good possible outcomes into the present. So what if, what if you have a delightful two weeks with your toddler? What if you release any expectations of being a super productive professional during those two weeks and you really lean into what is happening? I have to quarantine with my toddler because I have to travel. Cool. What if it's the most fun you've ever had? What if your toddler is easy those two weeks? <laughs> I know. But it can happen. It, it can could happen. happen. You do have what days. that it would happen. Yes. But even moms, right? Like we do have, I remember it from, you know, look, raising little people is no joke. But I Mm. remember days where we'd get to the end of the day and I'd be like, wow, that was a fun day. That was a delightful day. And it surprised me. Why does it have to be bad? Why does it have to be hard? How can it be easy? How can we borrow some of that ease and some of that joy? So just really bringing that energy to the party of our planning, of our thinking can be a really powerful shift. Awesome. Well, Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. You've got the book. It's out for sale now. Everybody go. Can we get it on Amazon? Go get it yes, on Amazon. Amazon and other places online where books are sold. Yes. Absolutely. And once we go read the book, how can we get in touch with you? So the easiest way is on my website, and that is untanglehappiness.com, and everything's there. You can find me on social media there. You can find me on LinkedIn there. You can find more about the book, more about coaching, more about um, a group program I'm about to launch called the Butterfly Society, all of it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I sincerely hope that you got something out of today that you are going to be able to take and use on your journey to wherever it is you're going. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your takeaways on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Sarah May Ski on Instagram. While you're waiting for the next episode, please check out our exclusive Beyond Leadership community over on Facebook to connect with more like-minded and like-hearted individuals 
dedicated to learning, leading, and encouraging right alongside you every day. Until next time, let's go.